This is the Ivy League Hoops Hour, where we cover all things men's basketball in the ancient eight. We are your hub, your go-to, your day one. But not really, though. I am your co-host, Coach Sidney Johnson, former head coach of the Princeton Tigers from 2007 to 2011 and former three-time captain of the Tigers in 95, 96, 97. I am joyfully joined by a pair of co-hosts for our show. Can't wait to get started this week. So much to cover. First, I've got my guy, Lawrence L. Boogie Schuler, Princeton alum and former Princeton graduate assistant coach. Boogie, how you holding up? I'm feeling great. Good to be back with you both. Awesome. Awesome sauce, as my daughter would say. Then I have the one and only Princeton Tiger fan, writer, reporter, extraordinaire, awesome guy, does his own radio show, super talented, beautiful family, and uh, always brings insights to our show that we are so thankful for. Glad that he joined us last season and now is a mainstay with the group, former creator and writer for PrincetonBasketball.com, the one and only. John Solomon, J.S., how you holding up? Coach, there were times there where I was looking around, trying to figure out if you're talking about someone else in the room. <laughs> All eyes it's on great you, to be with my you. man. Yeah, great, great to have you with us, uh, and great to have our audience with us. Listen, this is a labor of love. We've used that phrase a number of times. It's true. Three of us love getting on here. We're talking and texting regardless as to whether you join us. But now it's so much fun to bring our conversations to you and make sure that you're weighing in and enjoying this ride with us as we watch our ancient eight men's basketball teams compete and find their way all the way to Ivy Madness and duke it all out. If you have anything that comes to you in terms of trends, topics, teams, players that we need to highlight, Anything that comes to mind in terms of the ancient eight, please write into us, Ivy League Hoops Hour at gmail.com. That's our email. And I promise and assure you, we will get your comments into the show. We have one really good one from one of our faithful listeners this week. So without further ado, let's get started. We'll get the ball rolling with an email from our friend of the show, Greg, the bodyguard frame. Greg writes, I'd love for you and Boogie and John to train your lens at some point on the boys up north. I'm just returning from Hanover with a big green beat Columbia behind 41 from Dame Delican. This comes on the heels of wins over Penn at home at Yale and at Harvard. Coach Mack has the team playing incredibly hard and Dartmouth alums are rightly proud of what they're seeing this year. Greg frame, you're hundred percent right. So for our handful of listeners who don't know Greg, and they should, I'd be stunned if they don't, but uh, Greg Frame, definitely a friend of the show, terrific basketball player at Dartmouth, uh, represented the Big Green exceptionally well, was first team All-Ivy as a senior, a thousand point scorer, the whole deal, and uh, put points, big points, a lot of points on the board, even as early as his sophomore year or so, gave the league fits for quite some time and knows the league well, and obviously... He's got love for his alma mater. So, Greg, glad you wrote in. Lawrence, you mentioned Dartmouth a few weeks ago, and it it, it kind of spurred a bit more attention on my part. Dartmouth had a slow start to the year. Um, we have to say that. But they have played fantastic basketball. 
So I, I don't know. Have we missed the boat there? Well, last week when we were looking at all the teams in the thick center of the Ivy standings, I said Dartmouth needs to find five more wins to make it to Ivy Madness. And we're one week and one game later, and they're down to four more wins that they need to find. <laughs> right. And Adelican's numbers for the big green this past weekend, absolutely ridiculous. He scored 41 points in just 30 minutes, was 20 more points than his prior career high, most ever by a Dartmouth player at Lead Arena, most ever by a Dartmouth player since Jim Barton's 48 in 1987, tied for most all-time by anyone at Lead. And according to his coach after the game, it was very much because Dartmouth took what Columbia gave them and just Mm. thoroughly incredible individual effort. But his team put him in position to score and score and score again all afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they certainly, the Lions gave this kid too much. He he has shown a, a, tremendous amount of talent we're talking about a kid who's averaging close to 13 points a game and has made two threes on the season so kind of a throwback um if you will uh in terms of how he's able to bully his way to the rim and high energy kid i'm a fan there's no question they certainly have caught my attention ryan cornish i think i've been negligent and i'll just say that we're three shows into this season which has been wonderful to get back on here with with the pair of my guys and talk Ivy Hoops. And I've completely dropped the ball in terms of not talking about Ryan enough. And I know, John, you, you talked about him a bit as he put on a show in Jadwin uh, a week ago. But Ryan Cornish is a standout player in his own right and is likely an all-Ivy player, first, second, honorable mention, what have you, uh, making shots, big game kid, clutch, you know, representing the Gingers all very well. And, you know, between those two, they've really emerged. Um, they're running a version of the Princeton offense. They're well-schooled, well-coached. Defensively, they show something. I still think, and, you know, I've been anticipating this conversation all week with you guys, I still have three teams that I think are week and week, week in and week out the three best teams in the league, Princeton, Cornell, Yale. I don't know if it's necessarily in that order, but any mix of those three. And I'm just like, man, the, the, the big green are looking. They are dangerously looking like the fourth best team in this league. If, if Penn can't get it going and, you know, Harvard, I, you know, I, I thought they'd have something to say about this. But Dartmouth is putting together a pretty compelling resume in Ancient Eight play to get them that fourth spot. And I'll give one more for Greg Frame. I think on the short list for Ivy Rookie of the Year, you also have to include the Big Green's Brandon Mitchell Day. So there's one more bit of Dartmouth love for you. We have to make sure we highlight number three, Duzan Neskovich. He's been playing exceptionally well. Offense, defense, need him to bang a shot, go off the catch, score. I mean, the guy's been making plays, and he's definitely going to be an all-Ivy pick. 
Yeah, they've got the Kristoviak kid as well. Isaiah Robinson has had his moments. John mentioned Mitchell Day. I'm so glad Greg wrote in. Wait, this has the look of a basketball team. I mean, they've got the kind of big name guys, uh, the guys that can lead the way. We've talked about uh, Indelican and Cornish. Uh, we're mentioning different role players who are rounding out, complementing the team. Uh, it's a cohesive bunch. John, you talked about the joy, the energy. I mean, I think we're talking about a team that's in the top tier. And we're not talking about Brown that way. We're not talking about Harvard. Uh, we're not talking about Penn, surprisingly, that way. Pick to win the league. Uh, and, and we're not talking about Columbia, knowing that there's there's talent there, but the young guns just not ready for prime time. I'm almost standing here going, if Dartmouth does it, not to put pressure, and that's what now, as I'm rambling a bit, this is the fun part. I don't know if Dartmouth has been in this position in years and and does the pressure of of what they could achieve does that kick in cornell has is is kind of crossed that path i don't think anybody on cornell's team is saying can we do this they've done it you know the winning dna brian earl has brought to the program dartmouth hasn't quite gotten to this level so will the pressure get to any of these terrific student athletes i don't know because if it's not pressure, this is a team that if they don't get into Ivy Madness, I'm saying, hey, where did it all go wrong? Because I don't see any of the other four teams looking the way Dartmouth is right now. My top four order right now as of early February, I'm still feeling like Princeton has something to say about being the best team in the league, and uh, I have something more on that. Uh, I'm going with Cornell. I'm going with Yale, and I'm going with Dartmouth. Uh, I think that's who's going to, as of now, what my eyes are telling me, that's who's going to represent the league in Ivy Madness. And then uh, depending on those matchups, it could get real interesting or chaotic, as, uh, as Lawrence is certainly hoping for. If Dartmouth beats Brown at Lead Arena on Friday, they're going to be tied with the loser of Cornell Princeton for yeah. second place. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Here's my take. Yale has Princeton's number. Princeton's a better team, but Yale has their number. You know, I, I think that goes back to last year. I, I just I think there's something there. There's a little bit of a kryptonite thing going on there with, with Princeton and the Bulldogs. I think Princeton may have Cornell's number. It just, I don't know. There's just something. I just think they're just a little bit better. I think Cornell, the Cornell-Yale matchup in New Haven is a monster game. I think Cornell might have Yale's number. And so it's going to be so interesting, obviously, to see the rest of the league play out, but also assuming those three get through to Ivy Madness, who matches up with whom could really define the outcome of that tournament more so than who's necessarily the class of the league. It might be who'd you match up with. I, I, I'm not so sure Princeton's going to want to see Yale. First, first they got to duke it out of Jadwin, uh, but I'm not so sure Princeton's going to want to see Yale in Ivy Madness. 
It was a four-point game midway through the second half of what ultimately would be an 87-65 Yale win over Princeton. But Yale was up by four at the midway point of the second half, coming off a stretch where they had made nine straight field goals. So Hmm. Princeton shot the ball well. Right. But I've never seen anything like what happened in the second half at Yale. Never. Or never. At one point, the Bulldogs were a woeful one for eight from free throw range, 12.5%, and 13 for 17 from behind the three point line, (laughs) 76%. So I almost wonder. And this would look, this was the Yale I expected. The defense yeah. was there. The rebounding yeah. was there. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the shooting was spectacular, but it was really, you know, they were physical without a lot of whistles. I think that's the shortest college basketball game I remember attending in the media timeout era. It was an hour and 42 minutes from jump ball to final buzzer. But I wonder if Princeton has to feel as good as a team can that lost by 22 because there were some things that worked and just the shots never stopped falling for the Bulldogs. And I would be surprised if they can ever pull something like that off against the Tigers again. I mean, there was even a point where Princeton, you know, Yale was in the process of making six straight shortly after they made nine straight to go up 20. But uh, Princeton went to a 1-3-1, which really befuddled Yale at Jadwin last year. Two straight threes and a layup. They got eight points and three possessions against a defense that had given them fits prior. I got to weigh in on this. Appreciate your insights, John. Obviously, I know Mitch. Obviously, I know Jane. Mitch Henderson, Princeton coach, James Jones, Yale coach. Know these guys well. Um let me just throw this out there. Um, there was a time when I was coaching against Yale where I felt like James and his kids kind of felt like they, they knew us. They had us pegged. You know, this was early in my tenure at Princeton. And to their credit, they were tremendously talented, playing good basketball over over my first few years there. and 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 they they had the edge on us, but I also felt like there was an internal kind of confidence and swag that they had when they faced us that I, I didn't quite see when they played other teams. Okay. This can all be in my head guys, but I'm uh, years later, I feel strong enough to even be able to share with you guys on this show. And I think for us beating Yale, I had to summon something in our own guys to say, hey, and I would talk to them this way. These guys think they know you. And, and we got we to gotta rewrite this thing. We have to impose our will. And I'm sure there's some colorful language, but just we, we got to change this thing because these guys think they have us pegged. And being respectful to Mitch and being respectful to James and years later, what I just shared may have nothing to do with what's going on now, but it feels similar. The way you described Yale in terms of how they played that game, we've been expecting that all season. John, Boogie, 
I don't think it's coincidence that it came out against Princeton. I, ju- I just think these guys and James and all credit, everybody who listens to me on the show knows that I give him all the credit because he deserves it. There's something about that program that gets excited about playing Princeton and, 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 and trying to show off a bit. This Tiger team, I think, is really going to want to prove that different uh, the next time they see them or again. I just think that that Ivy Madness and a potential matchup there could be a dangerous one uh, for the Tigers. Much like how Princeton has been a matchup issue for Penn the past handful of years. Well said, yeah. I've talked on prior podcasts about how Princeton is built to beat Penn Yale's kind of built to beat Princeton. Yeah. And so part of it is mindset and part of it is matchup. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm coming back full, you know, full circle. I'm not ready to say Yale's best team in the league, but you guys know, I mean, we, for our listeners that we, (laughs) me, me, John and Boogie, we're having these conversations year round. And, and I was, I was singing Yale's praises as soon as the season started. I've, I've felt like they were the stronger team, but they really faded, you know, over the last, like, say, month and a half or so. And Princeton really emerged. And so what I'm seeing right now, I'm feeling like Princeton has a slight edge on everybody. But when it comes to a Princeton-Yale matchup, they don't. Is Yale kind of returning to that form? We'll see. Uh, we've said it enough already. These matchups are going to be really interesting. again well into our show and we're not talking about harvard i think that's really interesting all right let's Um, let's talk about harvard then harvard loses at penn i regret my pick because i should have continued the win loss win loss win loss win loss trend there you go yeah at 16 straight times flipping and flopping between wins and losses to keep that trend going they have to beat Yale on Friday. <laughs> and they could, right? I mean, totally. they could. They could. They're going to be, it's a home game. National TV. <sighs> right. 5 p.m. Right. It's, I mean, cra- it's, crazier things have certainly happened. Yeah. Chris Chris Ludlum's been been good. Who, who's the second? Tree Tal? Is he, is he kind of like the next, next guy? You know, I know Evan Nelson's played well for them. Ledlam, I'm always going to know and feel like he's going to come through for them. And then I don't I don't have that next guy as being the guy time in and time out who's going to be able to produce for them. You got Ledlam averaging 19.2, and then you got a million other guys giving you five to eight points a game. Yeah, I don't think that's a recipe for, you know, a magical conference run. I don't think, as it stands right now, I don't think it's a recipe for making the conference tournament. But I certainly don't think it's, and and then if they are able to get in there, it's not the recipe for, uh, you know, two wins and getting to the NCAA. And a bit connected to a conversation we were having last week, it's a different look for the Crimson than in years past. I mean, they've consistently had multiple all-conference players in their in their first five and it's not looking like that and at the end of the day we have really good coaches in this league 
I think the difference is players. If you got some players, you're going to make some things happen because there's not a bad coach in our league. Before we get to predictions, since we're halfway through conference play, can we rapid fire some of the awards? Yeah, fire away. Do we want to format this different way? Let's go uh, down to the park. Let's pick teams. Got it. You got to pick your five. I get the first pick. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right, fine. You get first pick. John will give you second pick, and then I get the next two, and then John. Oh, snake draft style. Okay. Oh, this is going to be tough. Yeah, That's we cool. can try this. That's cool. I'm, Let's I'm... have at it. Are all Ivy League picks, but we're playing ball down at the park. I'm going with first pick. Uh, I'm going with my man, Tosan. Um, I think the kid's unguardable. I love uh, his passing. I love his ability to get rim shots. That's an absolute premium in the college game is um, all these threes are great, but when you're able to balance it by getting to the rim and scoring and drawing fouls, uh, this kid can go left, he can go right. One guy can't guard him, and as soon as you start to bring help, I know my man's going to find open guys, so I'm going with Tosan. That's a good, good player to build a team around. So who am I going to build my team around? I'm going to give him help. I'm going to give him help in the next round, but I guess I have to start with Jordan Dingle. Ah, I like it. Boogie? All right, so I got to go uh, a little farther than my board, but I'm going to go with Chris Ledlam as my pick, and then I get the next pick. I'm going to pair him up with Keno Lilly Jr. Oh, man, son of a gun. That's a heck of a one-two right there. All right, does John go next? All right, I'm putting together a backcourt of Dingle and Cornish. Okay. Okay. I know I'm leaving some some bigs out there, but uh, I'm trying to come up with my team that's going to win the league. Well, I'm going to go. This might shock you guys a bit. No, I don't know if it'll shock you. I've been a fan of this young man. We've gone, again, three shows deep into season two without talking about Matt Noling. I think he's, well, one, he's a, he's a nutmeg kid, all right, from Connecticut. So uh, I got a little... Uh, affinity for him there but he's really grown as a player defensively Uh, you guys know I'm going to appreciate that and then he's another guy who can get himself to the rim Uh, it's not a big three-point shooter but I feel like between Noling and Tosan I'm as versatile as I need to be in terms of a front court and I'd play Noling as a four knowing that he's more of a facing guy but can defend uh, versatile, if that's a word, probably not. <laughs> I'm going with Matt Noling from Yale. And I think uh, you get one more pick oh. to start the uh, third round. Oh, I like this. I like this. I think at this point, you know, the Cornell Big Red need to be represented. And, uh, you know, one of Lawrence's favorites, Chris Manning has shown me enough, guys. Again, I, I, I'm, you can kind of see the type of player I'm going for, but I feel like defensively and offensively in the open court, the versatility, the slashing, the athleticism. Uh, I'm not only thinking about winning Ivy League games or beating you two knuckleheads at the park, but uh, how well can we travel and, and, and play some up games? Tosan, Noling, Chris Manning, I'm feeling pretty good. 
All right, I need some size inside, knock some dudes down. For me, it comes down to Keyshawn Kelman or EJ Jarvis. And Jarvis has a little bit more range away from the bucket. So I'm going to take EJ Jarvis. All right, if it's time to add some size, I'm going to add some size. So we're going with Big Dame Adelican from Dartmouth. Good pick. Good pick. And now I want to stretch you out with some size, but also make sure we've got some great shooting out there. Keller Boothme as my first pick in the fourth round. Wonderful pick. You know what? I think I'm, I, oh, this is another, I've narrowed it down to two players. I think I want a Cornell guy on my squad too. Give me Nazir Williams. Interesting. Okay. We're, we're going to put um, up some points. Yeah, it's it seems like it. Uh, I'm I'm in a tough spot here. Madalaco or uh, Slackert uh, from Penn. I think the kid's grown a ton. I like the boogie he has in his game. Slackert, I'm talking about. Alaco has made a lot of big plays for the Tigers. I think he's a kid that uh, Ivy League fans are probably you know, endear to, but I'm going to go with Clark Slackert. I, I just, I really like how he plays the game and uh, I like, I like the swag. So I'm going with him to start off my, my, my backcourt. And your fifth. Um, I'm always partial to shooters. Love playing along. Brian Earl made my job easy. A uh, number of guys I can think of in the pro ranks, certainly guys that I coached, whether it was Mavrady's or Doug Davis, Tyler Nelson at Fairfield, uh, hosted guys at, at Georgetown, a lesser-known guy like DJ Owens, who's lights-out shooter for the Hoyas and also defended. So I'm going to go with Paxson Wojcik uh, because I love the, the ability to know I got a guy that if I get him a three, there's a really good chance that that's going down. You can all count on that. Let my slashers crash the boards. I'm going Slackert. I'm going Wojcik. I'm going Noling, Manning, and Tosan. And I'm feeling good about my five down at the park. All right, I need someone who's going to play some D. Rounding out my five with Mr. Ryan Langborg. And for my fifth, I am going value for money. I can't believe he's lasted this long in the pool, but I'm going to take Geronimo Rubio de la Rosa. Yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. Uh, he's dynamic. Plays really, really hard. He's he's a fun watch. Uh, remind me, I I gave the rundown on my guys. John, give me the rundown on yours, and then Boogie, your five. I've got Jordan Dingle, Ryan Cornish, EJ Jarvis, Nazir Williams, and Ryan Langborg. It's a good team. It's a good team. Okay. That's what's interesting to me is these are all good teams. Like I would yeah. watch these teams. These are teams yeah. I would root for. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that this, this would be fun. This would be fun. Boogie, how about you? I've got Chris Ledlam, Kino Lilly Jr., Dama Delican, Keller Boothby, and Geronimo Rubio De La Rosa. Got it. Got it. Coach of the year. I know I mentioned Mitch Henderson. I, I'm not cooling on that, but to not mention Dave McLaughlin and what he's done with the Dartmouth Big Green, I think midway through the season, that's got to be mentioned. To this point in the game, uh, the Coach of the Year award, we're still going to name it after Brian Earl at Cornell. 
because he does more with, with less year in and year out. But McLaughlin has to be, I mean, we'd be asleep at the wheel if we're not giving him a nod for uh, coaching up the big green so well this far in, into the uh, Ivy League season. Yeah, I think for me it comes down to McLaughlin or Earl. If Dartmouth makes Ivy Madness, definitely Coach McLaughlin. Otherwise, it's whoever wins the league. And so who do you have for player of the year at this point? <sighs> for me, it's, it's still Tosan, but things could change. Has Tosan had the same level? Has, has he been as dominant this year as last year? No, but I think he's certainly controlled games. And I don't think he's had to do yet, with the exception maybe of the game at the Palestra, he hasn't had to take over games just by the nature of how this particular team is built. I don't disagree with that. Jordan Dingle's running away with the scoring title. You guys know that I, you know, winning winning is is key for me, but he is is a, a singular talent in our league. I don't see a dominant player right now, not discounting what I just said in terms of Dingle because you know, he's scoring a bunch, but uh dominance comes along with winning, I th- I think, right? So, uh I'm going to I'm going to hold off. I know <laughs> I'm going to hold off and say this. I think this year could very likely will have co-player of the years. That's one thing I'm throwing out there. So I would say given what I just said, it could be Tosan and and, and Dingle sharing it. Dingle may just score so many points, but I, again, I'm not picking them for top 4, but he may score so many points that the league coaches We'll just say, hey, we can't ignore that. And then Tosan, if they if Princeton finishes one or two, he's certainly going to have the well-rounded efficiency to give him a nod. And I'd say uh, Chris Ledlam could potentially sneak in there as a co-guy if Harvard can right the ship because he's been really good and really consistent uh, uh, as far as I can see. I know we're pressed for time, so I'm just going to race through some of my other thoughts on a few of these categories. And if you have anything to add, please do so. Defensive player of the year, Adelican is third in rebounds, tops in the league in blocks. I think he's my guy there. Biggest surprise. Hard to imagine something being more surprising in retrospect than Yale losing to Columbia to start Ivy play. Rookie of the year might be down to Caden Pierce. Oak Para from Harvard and the aforementioned Mitchell Day from Dartmouth and my top four right now, Cornell, Princeton, Yale, Dartmouth, making it to Ivy Madness. It's time for predictions. Predictions, Pat. First up, we've got Friday, 5 p.m., Yale at Harvard. All right, Buggy, well, wait, how did we do last week? Give us the rundown. Uh, well, last week I got all four games correct, so uh, <laughs> that puts me in the lead. I'm at ten and two. Uh, Coach, you are at eight and four, and John he climbed back to six and six. Not bad. Not bad. That's respectable. Okay. You want to embarrass me? Make a fool out of me? You didn't gamble. All right, Boogie, you've got the first call. Then fire away. Well, as John's pointed out, uh, Harvard has gone win loss win loss for some time now. I think. They get back to their winning ways after a tough game at Penn, and Harvard beats Yale at home Friday night. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on that. Like, not only this back and forth thing that the Crimson have going, but Harvard, they feel some kind of way about Yale. It's it's so fun to know the league in and out and, and, and see these kind of rivalries. And I, I don't know. I think Amherst guys get up for Yale, and uh, I think they're going to do it again and send the Bulldogs home with a loss. After what I saw in New Haven on Saturday, I know it was one game, but I I can't pick against Yale after that. Also, someone's got to, someone's got to pick Yale. It might as well be me. Fair enough. Next up, we've got Brown at Dartmouth. I am celebrating Dartmouth this week. I'm celebrating like the campfire before the big battle in glory. Because I am pulling for Dartmouth, hoping that they survive one of these games this weekend, but I don't know if it's going to be Brown. I have to pick the Brown Bears. Wow. Brown Bears. That's a, that's a gutsy one. Um, listen, I, I, you know, you try not to have too many dogs in the fight. I've got dogs in, in every fight when it comes to Ivy League. Tyson Wheeler is one of my favorite people in the world. He's a longtime assistant with me at, at Fairfield. And he's helping uh, Mike Martin and the Bulldogs along this season. Doing a wonderful job and loving the gig, but I just don't think they have it. Uh, Not against Dartmouth. I think the Big Green are going to keep it going. I think they'll probably have some momentum on campus going. And, and, you know, like students are going to be coming out as well and rallying behind them. And uh, I just think Dartmouth's the better team. They're going to win the game. Yeah, I think students are back on all eight campuses now classes in session again this is a big game in hanover and i'm gonna take dartmouth dartmouth has to get one of these two and so that's the one they're gonna get this weekend in my mind agreed agreed i hope you all prove me wrong next up we've got columbia at penn what would you say lawrence is columbia do the unthinkable they did last year but uh, sadly, that was last year. I think Penn is going to hold home court for this game. I'm picking the Quakers. I'll back that. That's an easy one for me. Steve Donahue and his guys can coach, and they do have talent. Uh, for some reason, uh, they just don't seem to be able to go you know, game to game to game. But I, I definitely think they'll handle Columbia and get the win. Yeah, I'll make it three for three. And if I'm wrong, we're all going down together. <laughs> And the last game of Friday night, Cornell goes to Jadwin Jim, Princeton Tigers. I'm going to make this quick and painless. I have to go with Princeton. I'm sorry. Interesting. I don't know if you guys know this. We haven't we haven't chatted about this. Did you know that the Tigers are honoring the 96, 97, and 98 teams prior to the game? As you guys well know, Mitch Henderson, head coach, graduated in 98. Brian Earl, head coach of the Cornell Big Red graduated in 99 and so they were both players along with myself and a, a ton of guys a lot better than me steve goodrich gabe Ellis, james mistalio sean gregory darren height and the list goes on and on uh not to mention chris doyle and others so there, there's going to be a, a big turnout from former guys i'm so excited to see them come this weekend and this is a monster game to see our teammates competing against each other all that being said, both of them, I'm sure, are going to want to win this game badly. Cornell's really good. Princeton seems to have Cornell's number. I think they win at home. I 
am strangely confident about this game. I think for the reasons you have said, this game is Princeton's. Next up, we've got Saturday games all tipping off at 6 o'clock. First, Yale at Dartmouth. Let's hear the Morgan Freeman again. We want them to know that we went down standing up. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. As much as I want to pick Dartmouth, I think Yale, having lost the night before at Harvard, has to come in and win. I'm picking Yale over Dartmouth. I agree with that. Yale's still good. Dartmouth is, they're not established. Yale knows what they have to do. They absolutely have to beat Dartmouth and keep them in the rearview mirror. I think the Bulldogs would do that. I can't decide whether going to Cornell at Princeton or going to Yale at Dartmouth would be, if I had to pick one of these games to attend this weekend, which one I would want to have a seat for more. This is going to be fascinating on Saturday, regardless of what happens with Yale at Harvard. I Look, I'm, I'm, I'm riding the, the Dartmouth train, but I, I can't see them getting past Yale. Next up, we've got Brown at Harvard. I think this is the game where Harvard breaks the pattern. They get two wins in a row. Harvard beats Brown. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I want to say that too. I want to say that Harvard has something to say about getting into the top four. I also want to say that we can't ignore some of the weapons that Brown has. Uh, Keno Lilly, you know, Jr. being the, the number one. I'm going to, in a weird way, I, I, I'm going to say the Bears the Bears are going to win it. I think they're going to beat the Crimson. I can't wait for us to revisit this game uh, the next time we get on together. We'll see how that plays out. I'll be surprised if Brown drops both games this weekend. Because if they do that, that's just about it. They have to run off the, the final five to really have a, have a say in getting up to the top four. And I think I'd also be surprised if Harvard swept the weekend. Look, we're just looking at a lot of teams that are going to end up eight and six, seven and seven, six and eight. So I think for those reasons and more, I'm going with Brown. Next up, we've got Columbia at Princeton. I think I'm going to play this one just by the numbers. Princeton over Columbia. Yeah, I mean, come on, who are we, who are we kidding? Uh, we've been praising the, the talent level there with the young guns, but... They're not just ready for it. Princeton certainly uh, holds home court and beats Columbia. Could be interesting. I mean, I'm sure uh, I can't relax. I can't take them for granted. But I think the Tigers do enough to beat Columbia. I will co-sign with you gentlemen on that one. And the last game of the weekend, Cornell goes to the Palestra to play Penn. I think after a close game but a loss at Princeton the night before, Cornell takes this one, Cornell over Penn. Yeah, they have to win. Um, they have to win. I, I don't think if they're thinking about winning. It's so funny. We're talking about Ivy Madness and top four finishes and all that stuff. These guys are trying to win a championship, a regular season championship, guaranteeing themselves at least an NIT berth, which is still meaningful to, I think, a, a number of mid-major programs. And so uh, what would that mean if Cornell shares a regular season championship Maybe they don't get through to the uh, NCAA, but they actually go to the NIT, playing on ESPN, playing a you know a, a national televised game. That's a big deal. So all that rant is a few of these select teams, Princeton, Cornell, and Yale, 
can realistically think about winning a regular season championship, Cornell has to go to Penn. They have to win this game in order to hold on to that dream. And I think they will, uh, especially after falling short against Princeton on Friday night. Even though the Big Red beat the Quakers by 19 up in Ithaca, I don't have a great feeling about this game, but I'm still going to take Cornell. It's so much more compelling when there are games on Friday and Saturday to talk about. Oh my gosh. Amen to that. I mean, amen to that. And and just the challenge of the Friday, Saturday, and just, come on, what are we doing? And the different permutations, and, and if this happens, but then this doesn't happen, there's so much more to think about. And this is a this is a, this is a conversation for further down the line. I think there's 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 a way to make a hybrid work. But now that we're talking about February third and February fourth together, it just stands out all the more to me. John, I, I forgive me, both of you, John and Boogie, and our listeners. I think I shared this with you before, but I never forget when Dan Mavrades, uh, one of my co-captains on our championship team mentioned uh, how the gauntlet, the Friday, Saturdays, winning the Ivy League championship before there was a conference tournament was one of the most stressful things he had gone through in his, his entire life, you know, a, a, as a basketball player and competitor and the whole thing. And, you know, being mindful of everyone's mental health and, and not taking that lightly, I, I think that's what it should be to win a championship. There, there should be a certain kind of rigor and and sacrifice and a few pain points along the way because if it ain't difficult if it's if it's easy it's it's probably not worth much so i'm i'm with you you know the single game weeks that's just a drag it's boring i don't get it i don't like it and i also think there's some toughness and something i admire about a team going through the gauntlet of of friday saturdays week in and week out and proving just how damn tough and good they are over that type of stretch. So I'd love to see Friday, Saturdays back in full play. And and we might get it. You know, who knows? Well, folks, that'll do it for the Ivy League Hoops Hour. Thank you for joining us. We're trying to bring this to you week in and week out. Sometimes scheduling wise, something might happen. Uh, Lawrence's social calendar fills up. He's too busy to join us. All right, we'll (laughs) give him a pass. But either way, folks, we're going to be on this ride. Like I said, all the way up to Ivy Madness and then some. We're hoping that we'll have several of our teams uh, representing the league in postseason play. Who knows? As we track that down, please join us. Uh, with the show and certainly don't hold back on any comments questions inquiries you have challenges on anything that comes to mind write to us at ivy league hoops hour at gmail.com you'll have myself you'll have js john solomon l boogie lawrence schuler until next week we'll see you No!